in any school that I will attend shall be broken. Now that we are launched, there's no reason why you should not register. Some of you are having some challenges with registration. So for the next 10 to 15 minutes, all the facilitators and the media team are around to help you to register right now. So um, if you need to register now, just lift up your hand. A facilitator or a media team will come to you and will help you. So just, just lift your hand high. Keep it up until a facilitator comes to you. We need some information from you, okay? So get this information on a piece of paper and just lift up your hand and the facilitator or immediate member will come to you. For your information, all of you sitting in front of me, it is compulsory to attend camp. It is part of the orientation. It is compulsory. So register, talk to your parents. So if, if you need to register, just lift your hand. The facilitators will give you a sheet of paper. Fill it out for us very quickly, and then we'll register you either now or at the end of the service. Okay. Lift it high so that they can see you. There's a hiding in the corner here as well. Okay. Some of you are still wondering whether you should register or not. From next week, every week we will share with you testimonies about people whose lives have been radically transformed by our youth camps. For your information, if you are not aware, several experts have classified our camp as one of the best, if not the best, in the country. It's not about that, but yesterday when I, I sent the some of the adverts out. Somebody explained, wow, media to another level. But we are talking about the power of God to yet another level. And this morning when we enter the second service, get ready to encounter the power of God. We are going to experience the glory of God in a very tangible way. So I want you to tune your heart Get your heart ready. And don't sit there and be looking at people. This morning I was reading the book of Acts. And I just said to myself, wow. I never understood some things the way I understood it this morning. And I pray to God that we'll catch the spirit of Jesus this morning.
You see, this is our time. Oh. The future belongs to us. As for people like me, we are going. If you are not already gone. But the world belongs to you. The future belongs to you. What you determine the future will become, that is what it will become. What you determine your future will become, that is what your future will become. And the, the determination and the choices are right now. I pray that your, your mind will be enlightened to understand the things that I'm saying. Please fill the forms very quickly. Please, those filling the sheets, know that it's front and back. It's not just the front. It's front and back, so fill it up very quickly. And then fill the back as well. And then the ashes, when you finally collect the sheets, make sure that you have checked that they have filled both the front and the back before you collect them. Is Tracy here? Tracy Ado. Tracy. Tracy Ado. Is she here? Tracy. Who knows Tracy? You know her? Come. come, come, come. Ah, you, you live prayer when I'm calling to you. I want to. Next week, we will tell you about Teen Chapel and your facilitators and who we are and what we do. Yesterday, I had some information and I laughed and I was a little sad. I learned that some of you said that you are afraid of us. Eh? You are afraid of us. Don't be afraid of us. We are just like the, your teachers in uh, Sunday school. Just different. You've got another class and you have a new teacher. That's all. Well, we are nice, so Anas, are we not nice? Ah, we are nice. It's when you do stubborn things that we are not nice. And you will not do stubborn things, so we'll be nice. Isn't it? What's your pen? You didn't bring your pen. You didn't bring your pen. Somebody get them a pen. They are sharing. Do you have a pen? You've given your pen to him, and then you are not using your pen. Use your own and let him suffer. He didn't bring a pen. And last week I told you should bring pen, notebook, and Bibles. Where's your Bible? You brought Bible. And where's is your Bible? Where's your own? Your own is where? Your bag is over there. And where's your notebook? Go and bring the bag and come and open the Bible. <laughs> We should be done in the next five minutes.
Take your time to feel. Don't rush. Don't make mistakes. A church to keep I have, and a God to glorify, and never dying, so to save and fit it for the sky, to serve the present my calling to Libaroza biria dele masata dala ba 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 ha. Repakuna idele masondele baroska baria dere barabada. Echa to keep I have a God to glory. We have a church to keep. Christianity is not just about enjoyment. It's not just about the good things. It's not just about the blessings of God. But we have a charge to go into the world and tell a dying world that Jesus is coming again. That Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is Savior. 
That is our charge. Our charge is to live for Jesus. And our charge is to make sure others also live for him. And I pray in the name of Jesus that will cut the spirit. And Jesus said, go out into all the world and preach the good news unto all people. And preach salvation. Preach forgiveness of sins in the blood of Jesus. And all that will believe, baptize them in my name. And I pray, oh God, that this morning we shall receive fresh unction. We shall receive fresh power to do that which is calling us to do. We have a chance to give. We have a chance to give. Not just to live for ourselves, but to live for others. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. As we continue this session, we pray, oh God, that you bring our minds to the things that have happened before us. We understand the fathers who laid down their lives and their blood that we might be what we are today. Jesus Christ himself first taught us by laying down his life for us. And he says that you must lay down our lives for the brethren. May we keep this church. Lord, help us to keep this church. May we not just focus on ourselves, but may we be mindful of the kingdom and its righteousness. And as your word says, these things that other people chase after, they will follow us. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Joel chapter 1 verse 1 to 3. The word of the Lord that came to Joel the son of Bethuel. Hear this, you elders, and give ear, all you inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this happened in your days, or even in the days of your fathers? Tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children, and let their children tell another generation. In Judges chapter 2 verse 7, Judges 2, verse 7 to 10. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Now Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old, and they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnah Harris, in the mountains of Ephraim, on the north side of Mount Gash. When all that generation had gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. This morning, we're going to be talking briefly about church history. Emma, please don't teach bad manners to others. We're going to be talking about the history of the church. We're going to be talking about what others before us have done. Some of us, we, don't, we, don't, we know very little about ICGC. Some of us, for many of us, ICGC was born even before we were born. We've heard one or two things, but it's important to understand who we are, where we came from, what we stand for, and why we do the things that we do. And in Teen Chapel, God is taking us somewhere. You need to understand you are the future of Teen Chapel. You are the future of Calvary Temple. And you need to understand, you need to be aligned with the vision of the church. 
other words, when you grow up and it is time for you to play your role, you miss it because you don't know what it's all um, about. So this morning, we'll be t- I'll be talking to you briefly about church history. Some of you don't like history. When I was also young, I didn't like history, but I've grown to like history a lot. And if you want to understand life, learn from history. There's nothing new under the sun. Everything that exists has happened before. There is nothing new under the sun. That's what the Bible says. We'll be talking about the church, the history of the church of Christ. We'll be talking about the history of the church in Ghana. We'll be talking about the history of the Pentecostal and Charismatic churches. We're talking about the history of ICGs, the history of Calvary Temple, and finally we'll talk about the history of Teen Chapel. If you have completed your forms, please uh, pass it on to an usher or a facilitator. There's a hand up here, please. Don't keep your phone. If you have completed your phone, just lift up your hand. A facilitator will come to you and pick your form. Okay. Now, church history can be divided into about six main blocks. I wish I had time to go into details, but this morning we'll not go too much into detail. Maybe next year we'll spend time to go a little more into detail. But church history, we have six uh, stages in the church history, the apostolic age, the anti-Nicene age, the Nicene age, the middle age or the dark ages, the reformation era, and then what we refer to as uh, the modern age in which we are living uh, now. The first or the apostolic age, which is the first century Christians, we've heard a lot about this. That was when the church was born on the day of Pentecost and um, like Jesus promised, the Holy Spirit came down, baptized them, and several miraculous things happened. They received power. They, the kind of things they did in those times, up to today, we are still talking about them. But unfortunately, we don't see too much of what happened in those days in our church today. That is why we study history. To know what our fathers did, and we'll learn from it and do more. Jesus himself said, that the, 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 we shall do greater things than he did. That's why we talk about greater works. So where is the greater works? What are we not doing right? What do we need to change? What do we need to do? And it's not about age. Don't wait until you are 30 or 40 or 50. It's too late. This is the time. If you study throughout the Bible, and I'm sure when you're in the children's service, they taught you some of these things. Any time that God wants to do something new, he doesn't go for the old people. He goes for the young people. He goes for the teenagers. He goes for the 14-year-olds, the 15-year-olds, the 16-year-olds, the 17-year-olds. He never goes for people like me. The young, their minds are unpolluted. Their minds are very malleable. Their minds are sad that they are very teachable. And God can shape them the way he wants them to go. So don't, that's why we keep telling you, don't learn bad habits. Because people have been here before you, doesn't mean that everything that they do is right. Don't copy bad things. Copy the good. And press on to become a world changer. That is the mandate that God has given us. So that leads us to the second age, the Nicene age, or the, between the, the early period, the first centuries after Christ had died. Please, media team, I'm going to go extremely fast, so the screen is off. Now, up to about 200 AD, Christianity was established in true, virtually throughout the Roman, it might be from the, check the uh, splitter. 
Christianity was very well established throughout the entire Roman Empire and the Middle East. Now, you see, it's, it's not surprising that we have what is happening in the Middle East today. That is where Christianity started. And I can tell you without any shadow of doubt, I don't speak by prophecy, but I speak as a student of history. I can tell you that in these last days, the battle for Christianity is going to be fought in the Middle, in the middle East. The Arab world. I have lived there for quite a substantial part of my growing years. And I know how the structures there are like. It can only take the power of God to break in with the, with the uh, gospel of Christianity. Now, in the early years, you no know, Christianity grew very, very fast. Amidst persecution, people were dying, and yet they were speaking about Jesus Christ. There were some rulers who were very ruthless. They killed Christians. I mean, once you identify with Christianity, they just slaughter you, and yet Christians were ready to die. Let me ask us this morning, how many of us are ready to die for Jesus? If President Akufuado sends some soldiers here right now, as the president of Ghana, anybody who says he's a Christian, he should own up. They'll go to the firing squad. How many of us will own up? But you see, there is something that will make you choose death over life because of Jesus. That's what we are talking about. We are talking about the child to keep. These early Christians, they were prepared to lay down their lives. Whether it was a, for a good cause or not, they knew that it was worth dying for Jesus than living without Jesus. Some of these emperors were very, very ruthless. One called uh, uh, Nicolaitan. It was, it was hard. It was just killing people left and right. In fact, he wanted to extinguish Christianity from the world. Just like how in the Arab world today, they want to wipe out the nation of Israel from the face of the earth. There are some people like that. You heard all heard about the world wars. When uh, that, that guy, that German, Hitler, he said, you clear the Jews from the face of the earth. You see, this, 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 this life we are in, eh, this Christian life, Charlie, it's not easy. So don't sit in Calvary Temple and you think that Christianity is just wearing a yellow shirt. And then when they say we are going yellow, and then you can't and be dancing and then be singing and then just having fun. It's more than that. Jesus taught us what it means. He went through pain. But he knew what he was doing. The early Christians, they went through pain. Many of them died. They believed what they believed. But something happened in history. At the time, Constantine decided, he was an, he was an emperor. He decided that, look, now, now let's accept the Christians. We have killed enough. Let's accept them. So it, now Christianity was accepted. There was a negotiation, and the non-Christians tolerated the Christians, and they just accepted that, okay, we should live at peace with them. Then there was some level of peace. But you see, any time anybody or any group of people or any set of politicians negotiate with Christianity to live at peace, they're always in trouble. You know why? The very nature of the gospel 
It said that everybody rebels against it. And the rebellion is led by one being, the devil. And his aim is to get people either not to believe in God or to believe the wrong things about God. So any form of compromise means that the Christians are not doing something right. It's a challenge for Christianity. But I can tell you, if you want to live the way God wants you to live, you always come into confrontation with people who don't believe. And you must be ready for the consequences. And may God help us. The second era is the Nicene Age, which was after AD 400, 400 years after Christ was born. Now, Christianity had been tolerated. In fact, Christianity was made legal in the fourth century. Constantine the first, he actually formed a council and they, they in fact, Christianity was established as the religion of the nation. From dying for Christianity to the religion of the nations. And that is where all kinds of worldly doctrines began to seep into the church. If you look at the church today, there are so many things which happen. And so people ask all kinds of questions. Should this be done by Christians? Should we pour libation? Should we do this? We do? All is because, you see, when you, when you are flexible and you negotiate with the world, they'll bring their doctrines and impose their doctrines on you. Now in our country, it's being said that Christianity, must, churches must be regulated. How can human beings regulate God? That's the devil for you. So in the, in, in the, in the early church, I mean, Christianity has been so diluted and yet it spread very fast throughout England and the Roman Empire. You know, the Roman Empire was the, was the powerhouse in those days. That's how come we have the Roman Catholic Church. You know, the Roman Empire, it's like, for example, America today. America decided that Christianity is a religion. So all Americans and all people who are allied with America, all of them, Christianity is their religion. That's what happened. Now, in the, Eastern, in the Eastern European countries, there was another group, the Eastern Orthodox Church. They, were also, they also followed the lines of the, the Roman Catholic Church, but because of their geographical area, they had a lot of similarities, but they also became another block of tradition that has been accepted. Now, Christianity had become very official, and then uh, it was decreed and written, documented in legal documents, that Jesus Christ was now fully accepted as God and man. But you see, it's not a matter of just writing this thing down. It's a matter of believing them. It's, it's, there's no point having a Bible and putting the Bible in your bag and then leaving your bag somewhere and calling yourself a member of Teen Chapel. I've graduated from the children's service. No! It's a matter of having the Bible, reading it, believing it, and acting on it as if everything depends on it. So the, Bible, the books of the Bible were determined... I will not go into those details, but that's what we call the canonization of the um, Bible. And that is when we had a creed where we, we, they came out with, uh, today something is modified, but those days it was called the Nicene Creed, which we have modified to be called the Apostles' Creed. You know, and it's a, a few years back, you know, Calvary Temple were trying to come back and refocus on the uh, Apostles' uh, Creed, but we will not go into all those details. And then entered the third era called the Dark Ages or the Middle Ages. And those of us who have done a little history have heard something about dark ages. When they say something is dark, you know what it means. Dark means dark. It's black. Everything is wiped out. If I put the lights out here, 
we, we screened up this whole place. You won't see anything. That's what happened to Christianity in this time. The real message of Christianity was lost. The Bible was lost. Preachers were lost. People didn't hear the name of Jesus again. It was lost. There were no prophets. The voice of God, as it were, was lost. And it was a very difficult period in history. The church had been so polluted with the Roman Empire and that, I mean, it, 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 was just, it was just horrible. I mean, there was no Christianity as it were. You know, many of you have heard about uh, uh, Turkey. Uh, I, I've traveled to Turkey before, and it's sad. Many years ago, Turkey was the stronghold of Christianity. So they go to Turkey and see, there are very, very few Christians. Muslim dominated. I went to some magnificent church bar and the Muslims have taken over. It has become a tourist site. I felt sad. I wish I could carry that temple and bring it to Ghana. Charlie, magnificent building. It has become a tourist site. That's what happens when we compromise on our faith. That is why at this tender age, don't compromise on the things that you believe. When you read something that's in the Bible, hold on to it. No matter what anybody else says, hold on to what the Bible says. The Roman church, the Roman Catholic church, was headed by the Pope. And then the Orthodox church was also headed by another group of people. Look, there was a lot of tension between the, the not tension aside, but the, there were some differences between the Roman Catholic Church and then the Eastern Orthodox Church. Okay? They were quite aligned in doctrine, but there were some basic differences. I don't want to go into those details um, at this um, stage. Now, at a stage in time during these dark ages, these two churches, who were, which were quite firmly aligned, they split into two. So the Roman Catholic Church became a church on its own, and then the uh, Orthodox Church also became another church on its own with a different set of uh, leadership. Now, soon after this, Islam came into the picture, and Islam began to advance very, very rapidly because they, 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 they spread through conquest, they, they killed people, they forced people to be Christians. Look, you, I mean, to be Muslims, you need to understand the Islamic mindset. Yesterday I was having a chat with somebody who was asking me about um, how, how, how she was talking to a, Christian, a, a Muslim and they ended up arguing. I said, don't argue with them. You can never win an argument. You don't argue with a Muslim. You can never win the argument. When you talk with a Muslim, pray for them. Ask God to give you wisdom to know what to say to the person. Just speak it and leave the rest. Quote scripture, don't say all kinds of things about the scripture, but leave it and pray about that scripture that you have quoted and leave the rest to God. But if you try to argue, that is what they thrive in. It's the same with the, uh, these people, these uh, Jehovah Witness people. They thrive in arguing. They don't understand what they are saying. But they have believed, they have been indoctrinated to believe. It's for you to win them with your love. Let them see your life. Let them see the reality of Christianity in you. Let them see the life of Jesus in you. And that can challenge them. But if you want to convince them, there's no way you can win. It doesn't work. 
Now, there were, like I said earlier on, there were several disagreements within these two groups. Um, they tried to uh, unite the two, but it was not possible. And this led to what we, we refer to as the Reformation Age. Some of you have heard about Martin Luther and the Reformation. It was a time when people in the church, God began to move people, they began to realize, ah, there's something not right about what we believe. There's something not right about what we do. There's just something not right about the faith that we are following. So people rose up and began to challenge the doctrine of the church. One of the key people who rose up was um, Martin Luther. You know, um, at, the, at the stage, I mean, there was so much chaos. If, if I, at the stage, it became quite violent. But anyway, out of this arose what you call protest, Protestantism. People protested against the Catholic Church. But you see, earlier on I mentioned to you about what happens when the state tries to compromise or when the church compromises with the state and the world. We dilute our faith. We dilute what we believe. Culture is brought into the church. Politics is brought into the church. And politics begin to detect how Christianity should be lived. And then we get lost with the with the Bible. And it gets to a point where the Bible doesn't even play that central role. Even those who claim to be Christians, they don't see the Bible as the central pivot in their life. Whatever the politicians say, that is what they, they believe. Around, around this period, in the latter part of the Reformation age, you know, polit world politics you know, was hooked around colonization where the more developed world started going to other parts of the world, and by force taking people's land and property and colonizing them. As a result of this, the, 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 the Europeans and the Americans, they, they brought, especially the, America, uh, the Europeans, they brought into this part of the world uh, a distorted version of Christianity. You see, a slave master teaching you about Christianity. Are you following what I'm saying? You teach you from the distorted version that he or she knows. And that is why in the early, early stages of uh, colonization, there was a lot of wrong Christianity which was preached to us. Even though later on, a lot of missionary activity came on and the, the, the real Christian message was reintroduced to um, Africa. Now, in, the, in, in our modern times, some of the older Protestant denominations, like the Lutheran, the Anglican, the Presbyterian, the Reformed Methodist, the Baptist, and so on, you see, God has a way of always refining his church. When something is not going right, he forgets about people who will be doing the wrong thing and raises another generation of people gives them revelation and insight into this word, and they catch hold of that revelation and begin to teach that revelation. That is how denominations are born. That is how the Protestants came out of the Catholic Church. And that is why some of our modern denominations that we have today came out of even the early Protestants. And I can tell you, you see, you see what is happening in the Methodist Church today? Have you heard? shame on you. It should be current. And you that is current and relevant. The Methodist Church globally has embraced 
LGBT. Now you can marry gay people in the church. The Methodist church. Charles Wesley's Methodist church. They have agreed and they are saying that now the rest of other Methodist churches are going to decide what the way forward. When they have to agree already, it's just an agenda. Church, listen to me. If you don't take the foundations of ICGC that we are going to be talking about carefully, we'll become like them one day. I pray God we never get there. I once heard Ducky Ward Mills preacher, he said, look, if Lighthouse, if you don't take seriously the things that we are telling you today, one day we'll become an Orthodox church. ICGC, if you forget the vision that Dr. Otabel has given us, and we deviate, and we, we, we compromise, one day, ICGC will not be the same ICGC that you know. Your children will look at you and wonder, why did you go to that church? Anyway, so in the early 20th century, you know, something happened in the world. They tried to bring all these factions of Protestantism together to form a, a, a world a Protestant church. They've been at it for all these years. It has never really worked. Okay? Now, let me quickly jump to the modern era and to, uh, switch on into Ghana history and then come back to... Um, I see Jesus. I hope I have enough time so we can have time for the second service. Now, the Europeans arrived in uh, this part of the world sometime in the 15th century um, and they brought Christianity with them. Okay? They, like I told you, they were colonizing us. They tried to take control of the country and also give us Christianity. And that is why our, our, our earlier fathers fought against Christianity being established in Ghana. You know, because apart from telling us about Christ, they were also stealing our property. I felt like diverting, but let me not divert. Now, like I said, always God has in mind his church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Sometime in the early 20th century, there's something which happened in a small street in, in the U.S. called the Azusa Street. That is the modern, that is the birthplace of the modern day revival, charismatism. In fact, there were several spots like that, several small, small spots. You see, sometimes you think that you are the only Christian. Look, God, God, he has his way of keeping his own people. Anyway, so, during the Azusa Street revival, and I pray that we experience Azusa Street even greater than that again in Teen Chapel. I've been telling some of your seniors, some of those who have gone ahead of you, when we started this place, this place was a place of prayer. It was a church of prayer. Teenagers praying, teaching adults how to pray. The prayer thing can be praying, and people on the street, on the Spinters Road, will run to those praying and come and kneel down in front of them. These are real stories. Teenagers, I'm not talking of the adults. You see the prayer team praying and then the, the adults will be dancing. Wonder, what is going on up there? May God visit us with another revival. So, out of this, uh, um, out of this revival that started in um, Azusa Street, so many people caught the fire. If I became a, a tourist center, 
a revival tourist center. People travel all over the world to come and see what is happening here. May Teen Chapel become like that. May we be people of the word, people of prayer, people who know how to talk about Jesus, that people will come from outside. The adult church will come here. People will come from other churches to find out what is happening in Teen Chapel. What is God doing in this place? And that is my heart for Teen Chapel. As a result of all this revival that sprang out around the world, some very notable names, some of you may know some of them, some of you may not know some of them. Like uh, Kenneth Hagan. How many of you have heard about Kenneth Hagan? Quite a number of you, especially the older ones, have heard about Kenneth Hagan. I'm not surprised the new generation haven't heard about Kenneth Hagan. It's not surprising. Maurice Seleru. How many of you have heard of Maurice Seleru? The hands will go with less. I know. Uh-huh. And Ora Roberts. Ora Roberts was quite popular, so maybe a few more. Ah, if you Ora Roberts, quite, you see? Billy Graham. Yes, you should have heard about Billy Graham. Okay. Yonggi Cho is a modern one. He's still alive, so you should know. Hey, you haven't heard about Yonggi Cho? Wow. Yonggi Cho has the largest church in the world. And every serious student of church growth goes to Yonggi Cho's church. To learn. Hey, Tin Chapo, get into history. Go and Google these names and read about them. People like Mice Monroe, um, Benson Idahosa. How many of you have heard of Benson Idahosa? <laughs> what? How many of you have heard of Uncle Bijou, though? <laughs> <laughs> All right, people like T.B. Joshua, Matia Shibolowo, uh, Renard Banke, Rick Warren, uh, Joel Austin. There are some of the names that readily come to mind. In fact, anybody who is a student of world revival should have heard about all these names. Now, in Ghana, the charismatic reward started somewhere around the early 50s. In these times, look, ordinary people, poor people, they were experiencing the power of God. And they were talking about Jesus, working miracles. God was using them mightily. They were not very learned. But God was using them. People would pray in, 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 a, in, a, in a church, and the church would cut fire. The fire service will come. And they will tell them, look, this kind of fire cannot be put out by fire service. It's the fire of the Holy Ghost. May Teen Chapel cut the fire of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Around 1953, Reverend Enim and Reverend James McKeon. How many of you have heard about Reverend James McKeon? Oh, yeah, Samu. We need to become students of history. They left the Apostolic Church they, they, they left the Apostolic Church of the Gold Coast to form their own churches. Okay? Now, Reverend Enim formed what you call the Christ Apostolic Church, and Reverend James McKeon formed the Gold Coast Apostolic Church, which later became the Church of Pentecost. So that's the history of the Church of Pentecost, one of the early Pentecostal movements that shook Ghana. Okay? This brought a lot of revival in our country. Around the same time, the Assemblies of God came out, sent out missionaries, into the, and they worked basically in the northern part of Ghana, bringing about loss of uh, new beds and uh, revival in this area of Ghana. These churches really shook our country with signs, miracles, and wonders, and won many people for Jesus Christ. But you see, the work that these people started, it, it didn't push Christianity or the power of God too much from a certain class of people. Those days, if you come to church, you see nice chairs like this. You see nice people like this. You see fitters and farmers and so on. But they were the ones carrying the power of God. 
Now, Christianity, so because of that, many people did not identify with Christianity. The Dadabis, they couldn't identify with those type of people, but they carried the power of God. Now, in the 1970s, Pentecostalism or charismatism began to shift focus. A lot of young people, that is why I'm focusing on you people, the future. A lot of young people caught the fire of God, especially through the work of SU. And they started witnessing everywhere they went, talking about Jesus Christ. Now, young born again people were moving around, carrying the power of God. They didn't care about the old. They just, they just had a certain fire and they wanted everybody to know. Preaching in the buses, preaching in hospitals, preaching in the streets, preaching to anybody that will listen. And teach chapel, may you preach to anybody that is ready to listen. And may you not be afraid. Just tell them that Jesus loves them. Tell them that see my life. Jesus has changed my life and Jesus wants to change your life. No. Some of these youth were uh, the upper sisters and one young Indian lady called Mrs. Raji. This young lady met uh, uh, Archbishop Duncan Williams in the hospital and led him to Christ. And that was another turning point in the history of uh, our country. Young Nicholas Duncan Williams received the baptism of the Holy Spirit like many of you are going to receive today. And he was, I mean, those days we walk to church. Some of you, if you don't get drunk, you will go to church. Hey! If your daddy is late, you will be late. Some of you should leave your parents at home and come to church early. Force your parents to learn how to be punctual in church. I mean what I'm saying. And that's what we do in Calvary Temple. And many people have come to tell me about how when it's morning, their parents now start shaking because the children will tell them that, hey, you have to go to church, you have to be punctual. And one parent actually confronts them and says, hey, is that how you are teaching this? I say, yes. You must learn to come to church early. Now, um, another person who was very influential in the early movement of charismatics in this country was he was simply called Brother Enoch Agbezu. He formed the Ghana Evangelical Society. And he trained a lot of young ministers, a lot. I'm one of his students. He trained a lot and lots of people, many people. You know, because those days, the church was dry. So you get born again, you carry the fire of God, and you can't identify with any fellowship. Before you realize, you find yourself in the Ghana Evangelical Society. Those is called, simply referred to as GES. They used to have all nights every Friday at what we now have as the National Theater. It was a drama studio. Every Friday, half one night. Duncan Williams felt the call of God, so he went to um, Benson Idahose's Bible school. Um, you, you know his history. He, he, even the English language, he couldn't read, but he went to Bible school. So I was giving oral test. Because he couldn't write, he couldn't read. Anyway, so he finished Bible school and then came to Ghana. He wanted to join the evangelistic team of uh, the Church of Pentecost. The Church of Pentecost said, ah, you really attend our Bible school. You cannot join uh, our evangelistic team. So, Bessie Idahosa advised him that, look, start your own church. So he started a small fellowship at the uh, uh, airport residential area in his father's house. The rest is history. What you see of Action Chapel today, that's how he started. There were many people who were drawn to Duncan Williams because of the things that he was doing. And um, some of the people who 
started off with Duncan Lewis, a people like Bishop Ducky Ward Mills. He used to be the in charge of the music ministry, Reverend Piakofi. He was a pastor of, in charge of uh, evangelism, Reverend George Abaka, and so many others. So, later on, some of them left um, the chapel to form, um, except uh, Ducky Ward Mills. They, formed to, they left to form the Global Revival Ministries. Uh, Pastor Otabe was also then with GES. He also moved along with them to Global Revival Ministries for a very short period. Later on, Pastor Otabe left together with Reverend Eric Kwapo to start the Interna International Central Gospel Church in 1984. In that same year, Ransford Obi, who was a young a youth pastor in the Assemblies of God, started a CCC, Calvary Charismatic Center in Kumasi. So these two arms started out something new so far as uh, English-speaking charismatism was concerned. But in fact, what Brother Agbozo did to build up charismatism in Ghana can never be underrated. A lot of the firebrands that we have today, they all were trained under Brother Agbozo, Dr. Otabil, uh, David Abbey, Bishop Ajin Asari, um, Samuel Usu, of course, myself too. No, we were all there. We all learned under this great man of God. Now, with this fire that had been lit, the stage was opened for God to move. I, not that the stage was open. I mean, God opened another avenue because he is the one who initiated it all and he knew what he was about. Now, so, you see that a group of very radical Christians arose in those early days. A lot of people left their professions. People like that, who most a doctor, another doctor said, Ablo, they left to start various uh, churches. Eastwood Anaba, who was a pharmacy, he left his profession to start the Broken Youth Foundation at that time. And a lot of professionals now began to stream into these charismatic um, churches. You know? I mean, there are several of them. I, cannot, I don't want to go through all of them because we need to move quickly to the second service. Okay. Um, now, in 1995, charismatism took a new turn in our country when Dr. Otabil started radio ministry. It was a pioneer of radio ministry on Joy FM, which was a new FM station that had just started. Around the same period, Reverend um, and Duncan Williams, he also started radio evangelism, sorry, TV evangelism on TV, and that set the path for many other preachers to join in this new move. Teen Chapel, this is our time to take what God has been doing all these years to the next level. Many of us don't know the work of our fathers. That's what the scripture says. We must tell it to you, and you must tell it to the next generation, and that generation must tell it to their children. We must know where we are coming from, and we must know where God is taking us. I'm sure all of us have gone through the history of ICGC. I'm sure in the children's service, we have talked so many times about the history of ICGC, weren't you? Yeah. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not spending too much time to talk about this. Uh, and you can read this also on the, the um, ICGC Christ Temple website. Uh, now, the history of Calvary Temple. I like to take time to teach this because I've done a lot of research work in this area. 
Many times when I myself didn't know the history of Calvary Temple very well, I asked somebody to come and teach us the history, and the person couldn't come for one reason or another, so I started researching myself, and every year I build up on it. Uh, I learned even this year, in the 24 to 35-year group, there was a quiz on the history of the church, and even the quiz masters were getting it wrong. And some of them sent me a message because they had been to teaching chapel and they knew that that was the fact. They knew that what they were saying was wrong. So it's important for us to know. Okay. Calvary Temple, where, under the leadership of our able pastor, uh, Pastor Anthony Kujo, is actually not in Sakumono. It is actually in Lashibi, Community 16. But because we started in uh, Sakumono Fridays, that is why the name has stayed and we have kept the name. So technically, we are not Sakumono, we are Lashibi, but we are Sakumono. Okay. The church was started with a group of covenant families in the Teshi Nungua and Sakumono areas under the leadership of Daniel Awusanya, who is now a pastor in South Africa. And the first meeting was held at the Bethel Nursery School. Oh, my friend. back. Okay. Now, Pastor Awusanya handed over to Pastor Gracious Awe, who is now a pastor of ICGs in the UK. He further handed over to Pastor Champo, who is the senior pastor of um, ICGC Taifa. And he, uh, Pastor Champo, finally handed over to Pastor Kujo, who has been the pastor of um, Calvary Temple since 1997 uh, till now. The official birthday of our church is 2nd February 1997. The first sermon was preached by Dr. Alta, but we have our 200 people who were in attendance. Now, we used to live and worship in a tent, popularly known as the yellow and white tent. You know, it was pitched where the car park is. You know. This tent finally came down in 2002. So that's a, a picture of one of our first service, uh, early services in the yellow tent. That's when I joined the Calvary Temple. Okay. So this was how our church used to be like uh, many years ago, okay? So that was Calvary Temple under the yellow tent, very close to the main road, okay? okay. I, I don't know whether I can recognize it. Can I see Pastor Eric? Many of you cannot recognize Pastor Eric, okay? He's the one in the brown dress over there, okay? All right. Um, now, this was when... <laughs> Pastor Kujo looks like a teenager, doesn't he? <laughs> Yeah, but that was when Calvary Temple building was in the imagination and on the drawing board. Okay. Now, Dr. Otabel came to lead us from the yellow tent to plant a tree to commence um, the building in which we now uh, dwell. Okay. Um, this was when construction had started. Okay. The yellow tent was still there. Uh, 
gradually the, the size of this building was beginning to dwarf the yellow tent. In fact, when the building, we didn't know how, what was happening. We just saw structures moving up and down. When the building finally became like this, Charlie, we were happy. I mean, moving from yellow tent to this place, Charlie, we were excited. And that's when we moved into the current uh, premises when the structure was like this. Without a roof, we used to put tapoli on top of the roof. And then when it rains, every morning at dawn, we have to come back, clean the tapoli, and set the tapoli up again. You see, people come to church, work at 2 a.m., 3 a.m. And today, come to church at 6, 30, 7 o'clock, you're lazy. You must know the work of your fathers and do better. Can I see Auntie Bridget? This was when the church, the young ones are confused. They can't see know who Auntie Bridget is. Well, Auntie Bridget is one of her, it's our dickness. She's not here now, okay? Uh, she's the one clapping over there, okay? That's Auntie Bridget many years ago, okay? And I wonder how many of you can see me. <laughs> we have come a long way. Ten years from now, that's how you look like. And you look at it and say, ah, is that me? <laughs> so, from the yellow tent, we're just one or two cars. This is how far God has brought us. Okay. It, it's amazing to look at the past and see the contrast. Some of you, it's only the new you know. You need to know your history. It's important. Okay. Okay. If you see the beginnings of Teen Chapel, you wonder, yeah, is that how Teen Chapel was? And people had church in this place. Yeah, that's how it was. Okay. God, God has brought us very, very, very far, and we are grateful. Can you please open this for me? So I want to take us down through memory lane. There are a few facilitators who recall some of these things because they were here. But many of us have no idea. This was how Teen Chapel was when we started. In fact, even this was an advanced stage of Teen Chapel. When we started, there was no time. No, the whole place was dusty. No roof. When the wind blows, then the dust will stare up. No. Then we'll cover our faces. Then we'll come back. No. And it was something else. No. Some of those people there are in this church. They are sitting right here right now. I don't, I'm not sure you can recognize any of them. Can I see Uncle Dennis? Can I see Auntie Delphina? <laughs> if you want to see, see me later on. This was all that. This teen chapel, though. This teen chapel. We converted this place into a. Uh, we had, during one of our youth meetings, we had a, a dinner session and they talked about how to dinner etiquette, and it was good. You can't, you have me again there. <laughs> All right, okay. Now, at our fifth anniversary, Auntie Matita, then Matita, talk on now, Mrs. Appentin, uh, Mrs. Insia. Uh, um, wrote the history of uh, Calvary Temple, so uh, Teen Chapel. So I'll read it very quickly so we can close this session and move on.
Okay. The Calvary Temple youth was conceived in birth. It's on our website, so if you go there, you can read it. The Calvary, uh, the Calvary Temple youth was conceived in birth from the adult service of Calvary Temple in the year 1998. This vision was perceived by Auntie Bridget Poda, who had witnessed the powerful things God did among the youth of the Omega Generation of Christ Temple and thought, this could be done here also. Pastor Abbas Awuni, who was instrumental in planting the roots of this ministry, and Pastor Ismail Awudu encouraged us to bend for the cause of Jesus Christ. Some youth will struggle getting permission from home to attend the meetings from their suspicious parents or struggle getting extra transport fares, whilst others felt plain lazy after a Sunday afternoon lunch. We used to meet in the afternoons after church service. The numbers just fluctuated from Sunday to Sunday. At our meetings, we studied the books and characters of the Bible and uncovered many hidden talents by participating in the various phases of our church service, like the praise and worship time. These meetings were characterized by the amazing prophecies received through which God spoke about the great people we were going to be in the near future and about the awesome levels God was taking us to as a youth ministry. We would be about 12 people in a meeting and we received a prophecy about a thousand young people on fire for Jesus gathered at a Sunday meeting. We continually made the confession and saw ourselves as world changers, nation builders and inventors shaping our generation through godly principles. One unforgettable experience that every youth from Calvary Temple will have imprinted in their mind and spirit is our powerful annual camp meeting. That is the reason why you cannot miss camp meeting. There's no reason why you should miss camp meeting. Look, the facilitators are more aggressive about camp meeting than you. Almost all the facilitators have registered. Anyway, so from the... Abokobi in 1999 to the University of Ghana, Legon to the Nurses Training uh, College in uh, Accra to Valley View, uh, Dodowa, Calvary Temple, Achimota School, Pentecost University, so to, and finally to our own university, the Central University College. We learned how to pray endless hours and receive life-changing principles, messages, and prophecies. We actually had experiences like the early churches had in, on the day of Pentecost. Many of us received instructions and directions that would be a guideline throughout our life. Our number was a challenge then, dwindling when schools reopened and increasing during vacations. Lack of our own place of worship was the greatest challenge for Teen Chapel, and waiting for the completion of Teen Chapel was a very long wait indeed. We would envisage having our own instruments and place of worship just as the adult service did, but of course in our own style. God, understanding the times and seasons, brought in Uncle Bijudo just when Pastor Abbas was due to leave Calvary Temple to embark on a different mission in his ministry. He, with other able ministers and our dear Auntie Bridget, continued to build up on the strong foundation that had been established to make Calvary Temple Youth the powerful ministry we see today. On 3rd July 2005, Teen Chapel was officially born. Indeed, this ministry has come a very long way. It is amazing watching hundreds of young lives being transformed, spiritually, morally, socially, and academically. The 2008 camp meeting that brought other ICGC youth ministries together with the Calvary Temple Youth Ministry is a sign of greater things yet to come. The story has, however, just begun, and the Almighty has a lot more levels in store for us. To God be the glory. So you, the next generation, must walk into this history. You cannot let the history of Calvary Temple die. You cannot let the vision die. You must carry the torch. Now is your time. We have a, copy, a couple of slogans, and all the slogans are tied up to something which happened in Teen Chapel. Okay. The first slogan is a slogan that is for all ICGC churches across the world. We are referred to as the Omega Generation. And when we say Omega Generation, your response is a greater generation after great one. So yes, we have had great generations before, but you must be a greater generation than previous ones. So Omega Generation, yeah. 
Omega generation. The next slogan was a slogan that came out when our brother, the late um, Blessing, led us through one of the uh, pre-camp retreats. And he taught us that we enter Teen Chapel as civilians. And then we are groomed and trained. And by the time we come out of Teen Chapel, we become soldiers of Christ. So when you say soldiers of Christ, you say we are warriors. Soldiers of Christ. We are warriors. Soldiers of Christ. We are warriors. We are spiritual warriors. We don't go and fight with Muslims physically. We fight on our knees. We fight with our prayers. We fight with the word. We fight with the word of our testimony. And of course, the last one now, ah, Charlie, now the whole church has adopted. Now who say God in order to be? Ah, in the be. I say in the be. Now in the door. Now who say God in order to be? We need, we need to move on into our second service. <laughs> we shall launch that one at camp. We'll launch it during the youth week and then we'll take it to camp. So next week we'll be talking about our facilitators. But we want to spend some time. We want to shift gear and do some other things. So can I invite all of you to come on stage and sing for us? All of you. Instrumentalists, please come and help them. Hey, come up. I told you last two weeks. Go up, just like how you did it downstairs. the lead singers. The lead singers get in front of the mics. Don't be shy. This is your church. This is your time. Listen to them and follow them. Okay.
just pick the key and start. They'll, they'll follow you, okay? You know what? We'll see now on next week. Don't worry. Next week we'll see now. Oh, you want to sing?
Okay, can we have the choruses of stage, please? You are shifting gears, please. Shifting gears. chapter 1 verse 4 and being assembled together with them that is Jesus Christ just before he left this earth he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the father there's something called the promise of the father the father has promised something very closely related to the reason why Jesus came onto this earth that promise could not be released until he died on the cross. When he died on the cross and he rose up, he told them, wait for the promise of the Father. You had heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus was talking about power, and they were talking about restoring the kingdom to them, politics. And Jesus said, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has set out in his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria and unto the end of the earth. We have a charge to keep. We have an assignment. And the assignment is to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. Where we are, in our schools, in our communities, and all across the world. We cannot do it in our own power. That is why Jesus Christ gave us a promise which is the promise from God the Father. And this morning, we are going to reach out and receive this promise, also referred to as the gift of the Spirit. Remember that it's a, it's a gift. It's a promise. Just a sing, please. It's a gift and it's a promise. How do you receive a gift? Just start singing. How do you receive a gift? You just stretch out and receive it. Stretch out and take it. Don't try to understand anything. Just believe the scripture. Jesus said it's a promise from the Father. And it's a gift. So by faith, 
stretch out your faith. I want every one of you to close your eyes. Stretch out your faith and just receive the gifts. At a time, you may come and lay hands on some of you. As you receive this gift, you experience all kinds of things. I don't know how it's going to be like, but you experience, I said close your eyes, you experience some tangible things in your spirit, in your mind, in your body. Close your eyes, please. All over you. You'll be immersed into this promise of the Father. Open your mouth and thank you for the gift of, of the Spirit. Thank you for this great promise. Keep your eyes closed. Keep your mind focused on Him. Just thank you for the gift of the promise. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit and the promise of the Father. Uncle Bethlehem. And the rest of the church, I want you to stretch your hands towards them and pray for them. We are going to move into another dimension where the whole church will pray. For a fresh infilling, we have just heard about the history of the church. This is our time to take the message of Jesus and the power of the Holy Ghost into our generation.